0: for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today.
1: Welcome to the Sewing Hope podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Dan DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good morning, everybody, and welcome into the Sewing Hope podcast. I am Bill Snyder, and as always, joined by my friend, Ann DeSantis. Uh, we're here for another uh, great Tuesday morning program. Uh, welcome, Ann, and thanks for being here, as always.
2: Hey Bill, good morning. Great to be here.
1: Yes, yes. Sunny,
2: sunny May morning. Can't, couldn't be better. It is. It's
1: sunny here too, uh, but it's always sunny in Philadelphia. So uh, anyway, um, I want to uh, welcome our guest in. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about our guest today?
2: I'm so honored. I have Father Daniel Bowen. He is the Vocation Director with the Mercedarian Friars that are headquartered here in Philadelphia. That's where the the order is headquartered. Although Father is Uh, a priest in Cleveland, Ohio at Our Lady of Mount Carmel, with the pastor there, Father Joseph Eddy. So I wanna welcome you, Father. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you very much for having, glad to be here. You got a big smile on your face. Oh, good, yeah, (laughs) awesome.
3: Doesn't always happen, but we got it today, so we're thankful. That's
2: good. Yeah, so we have so much to talk about, Father, Uh, in fact, for our listeners you know you and i know each other well because while well, we met way way back when when i was uh, on a search for a spiritual director and came upon the mercedarians and and you were the first person that i met when i was introduced to the order and what a blessing it has been for me to get to know you and to get to know the other friars and also as Some of our listeners know I'm the director for a foundation that's actually uh, related to the Mercedarians. It's called the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation. So the Lord brought me on a journey there too to be able to help families in crisis. And I know that that's what the Mercedarians are all about as well. You're all about making outreach for those who are in danger of losing their faith because that's your fourth vow. So I just thought we could start out Father, if you could tell us about the, the order. There's so much to learn, and your order is such a blessing, and your vocation is a blessing.
3: I'd love to, absolutely. So, the order was founded back in the year 1218 and uh, in Spain, Barcelona, Spain, to be exact. And its original origins were in a time of great turmoil in the Iberian Peninsula, which is, you know, that area of Spain, Portugal. France there in the Mediterranean. At that time, Islam and Christianity were kind of, in a sense, at each other's throats. And obviously, uh, in, besides conflict and the death that would ensue from that, uh, oftentimes people would be taken captive and made slaves. And then these slaves could be used for, obviously, labor or whatever they desired, but they could also be bought and sold on a market. Uh, and you know then that money could be used to keep the war machine moving so this was a circumstance that was occurring at that time in the end of the 12th and beginning of the 13th centuries uh, in that area of the world and um, our founder uh, Peter Nalasco, himself was a merchant I was born in the uh, it's believed in the part of southern France you know these borders are not as tight as we would have thought the one it was, we think always they seem to move and shift but in general in that region and uh, so as a merchant you know he had he would see in his transactions these ships bring being brought in with his brother christ brother and sister christians being sold on the market and he saw how they were being treated uh, and oftentimes they would be you know compelled by Uh, the Muslims to, you know, renounce their Christian faith, you know, and become Muslim. Or if not, the hardship that they would be enduring would be, you know, you'd almost wish for death, you know, versus the treatment at their hands. So this really kind of, uh, you know, as it should for anybody, you know, when we're in the midst of an injustice, I mean, we can't just turn our heads and say, oh, there's nothing to see here. No, but if people of faith, of a God who is love. Um, we know we are called to move to action. And so Peter Nolasco decided to go and pray, you know, what can I do in this situation, which is something we should always do. You know, we should begin with prayer to um, make sure that God is completely invited and our hearts are prepared and open to be most receptive to him. So he journeyed to Montserrat. Montserrat still exists. It's an old Benedictine monastery that was probably already a couple Two or 300 years old by the, t- by the time that Peter Nalaska journeyed up there and the mountains this is located in northeast uh, Spain and it's along the way of Compostela so it's actually like I say it's it's a place of pilgrimage um, I guess it'd be comparable maybe we could think of uh, to in Mexico how um, Our Lady Guadalupe Shrine is a place of pilgrimage and, and you know uh, where, where faithful go to have their prayers or their intentions brought so in that same way this is what Peter Nolasco did in journeying there. And uh, from the evening of August 1st into the morning of August 2nd, in a moment of, of his prayer and asking about bringing this situation before our Lord, the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to Peter Nolasco, And she said, you know, in essence, my son has heard your prayers and he has sent me to tell you that I am to assist you in helping to found an order that will do the work of my son to set captives free. Be a redeemer like my son. Be willing to lay down your life for your brothers and sisters in Christ. So, wow, you know, he had this great experience that he encountered in prayer and he felt definitively that this was of God. But of course, we should always confirm these things, right? And so he did go and speak with uh, uh, both the king of uh, Aragon, that region of Spain, and the bishop of that region, right, the bishop of Barcelona, and explain what he experienced. And the uh, you know the, the king said, "I'll back you. I will back you." And matter of fact, I will. I will give you the royal coat of arms of the House of Barcelona, uh, so that will give give you protection and give you access. And the bishop himself said, "I believe this to be of God, also." And so yes, let's sanction this order. Uh, so come down to the cathedral which is the cathedral of the cross it's still the name of the cathedral in barcelona uh now obviously not the same building i think the current building was built in the 1700s but the same spot same place obviously and uh so there in that cathedral on august 10th so this is a mere eight days later right there was quite a movement on this uh before the bishop and the king uh peter nolasco and i believe we believe two or three other brothers with him that were interested in this work, that were friends of his, uh, we uh, were consecrated, given the habit of Mary, and began the order of the Blessed Virgin Mary of Mercy for the redemption of captives. And of course, that mission was then to uh, gather alms, go to the Muslims, the captors, right, to negotiate. And to buy these Christian slaves or captives, and then, once securing their purchase, releasing them. you know Now, if they were in need of some some care, you know, be that physically or mentally or spiritually or emotionally, the friars would look to provide that for them uh, in their monastery in their hospitals, as it were. And um, so that was the work in in the essence. Now, there were other orders doing this work. There's only one other order in the world that still exists doing this besides the Mercedarians. That would be the Trinitarians. Now, Trinitarians, again, doing this work, yes, but there was the difference. Obviously, their focus on the Most Holy Trinity Our focus on Man and being a Marian order. But also, in this difference, the Mercedarians would actually take a fourth vow that the Trinitarians or really no other order takes what we call a redemptive or blood vow, and this would be in the situation of this. Let's say that the money that you had was insufficient, the captives were unwilling to release all the slaves for the price that you have named. We would then be willing to use ourselves as collateral, to literally exchange ourselves for these captives so that they could be set free. Um, And so that usually would mean a renegotiation, obviously us being Considered part of the house of the King of Aragon, gave us wealth and value, and uh, you know, so that you know, so that we there could be that negotiation. Okay, he'll stay. We'll come back in a month with extra money for him, Uh, and then of course that'd be fine. But sometimes it didn't happen, or sometimes they just uh, didn't want to uh, have a Christian in their midst because, of course, we're going to proclaim Jesus Christ, and you know, we're going to look for conversions among every non-Christian. And so, a lot of times, we would just be martyred. And that's why that sense of the blood vow, because it would often mean a death sentence. But again, if it was, if we were able to release someone's son, someone's daughter from this captivity to be able to return to their families and not lose their faith or uh, despair, um, we would do so. And again, we still to this very day take that vow. So this was the original origins of setting captives free, literally, and that continued on until uh, the early 1800s. Uh, Many redemptive missions. I think it's been estimated that we ultimately freed about 100,000 Christian captives over those centuries. The last redemptive mission was held in Tunis. And then by that point, kind of the world's perception of slavery shifted. I believe there was several movements towards abolishing slavery. And of course, in the United States, that occurred for us uh, following the Civil War. Um, um, Our order did go into some uh, uh, were some of the first to come into the new world when the Spanish uh, came over here. Again, we were always allied with the Spanish uh, being under the house of Aragon or a partner with them. So when they came here, uh, we, we came along. It's again with Christopher Columbus on his second voyage. There's documentation that substantiates that we in fact did come with him on that trip. And so we were foundational in a lot of the countries uh, in South America, Central America. Um, which was wonderful when Spain was kind of the big thing. (laughs) Then when it's not the big thing, then you sort of uh, go into diminishment. But there was, of course, a great loss of our order following the French Revolution and following the uh, uh, Napoleon Wars, where there was kind of that great movement of secular humanism that decided to say, uh, you know, we don't really need God. And so a lot Mm -hmm. of religious, of course, you could see the pictures of the like the Carmelite sisters being lined up for the guillotine, right, and beheaded. Um, So our order suffered greatly. We used to have a big, substantial uh, presence in France, and we have absolutely no one in France any longer. So we were to the point of where we didn't even know if our order would be able to continue. But by the grace of God in the 1800s, we were able to kind of rebuild. And um, uh, a key figure of part of that was uh, one of our master generals, originally from Chile, Father um, Valenzuela was able to kind of regroup, reconnect, and to also, again, be able to, to speak of the fact that the slavery uh, in the captivity is not just necessarily the physical bondage uh, of like as you know slaves in a dungeon with balls and chains, the slavery can be ignorance of the, of the faith. Slavery could be addictions, Slavery could be any of these other areas. Again, basically the bottom line, anywhere that there is sin, there is slavery. So that we could be part, and we'd already been doing these things in many areas. And uh, so that allowed the order to continue forward. And uh, our order coming to the United States a little bit late, even though we were in the new world since its discovery. We never really came to the United States until the 1920s. And that was all by divine providence. Divine providence, I say in this fashion, uh, Mexico needed assistance uh, uh, towards the end of the 19th and early 20th century. So our Italian province sent some friars over to Mexico to assist them. And um, uh, a couple of the friars that were sent there in particular, Father Martin Campagno and Father uh, Alfredo Scotti were sent. Uh, Alfredo Scotti, in fact, was, was ordained a priest uh, at the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And in the midst of their assistance, Mexico had its revolution, right? There was the Cristeros Wars. Now, there's a wonderful movie, if the faithful have not had a chance to see it, called For Greater Glory. I think it came out about eight years ago. That's worth watching. I know uh, the, uh, the, um, the actor Peter O'Toole played a small bit in there as, as a foreign priest. And as the fate was, you know, foreign priests at one point were told to get out of the country or we will kill you. So uh, at that moment, our our priests came north into the United States really to escape death. And in coming to this country and realizing that Mexico was not a place that they were able to be present in for the time, they saw in their midst all of these uh, Italian uh, immigrants, people from Italy, especially looking to escape famine and some of the other aspects that were on in that nation at that time. And these were, again, Italian friars, the native people originally from Italy. They said, well, maybe there's something that we could do to assist them. Um, unfortunately, even though America likes to preach great tolerance, we often are, are very short-sighted in that tolerance. Uh, the We are a nation of immigrants for the most part. But yet each immigrant group, as they gain power, tends to forget that towards the new group. So we can think of the Germans when they first came to this country, German Catholics particularly, how poorly they were treated. Most people don't remember that, but maybe they might remember the Irish. How were the Irish treated when they first came to this country? Not too well. Maybe we can see images of the signs. No Irish. I won't hire you. But the new immigrant group, especially in that time, in the 1920s, was the Italians. And so Italians were not always being treated properly, given menial jobs. And a lot of times uh, even their faith was being attacked, where they're being lured by Protestant sects or schismatic priests away from the one true faith of Catholicism. And uh, so that's really how we were able to get established here. um, After approaching a number of bishops in this country to found a mercenary community and to work in the captivity that the Italians were facing, uh, the Bishop of Cleveland, Archbishop Bishop Joseph Srems, invited us to begin here. And so in 1922, we began to assist the Italians in this in this diocese. And uh, we did good work, I think, because we're still here. <laughs> Ninety eight years later amazing, uh, to, to help them, you know, to not lose their faith, mm. to to be accepted by the culture, you know. And uh, so that was a captivity that that uh, brought us and continues to sustain us here in the States. Well, now, obviously, especially we would say maybe since the 1980s or 90s, that captivity is no longer an issue. You know, um, uh, people of Italian dissent are are working in all sorts of jobs and, and 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 accepted in academia and are in the politics and all over in the church. So it's no longer an issue in that sense. So now in some cases, the place we are, it's kind of preserving that culture and it's it's still supporting it, especially for their children and their generations following. But it's also brought the movement into the settings where we're at in parishes, jails and the hospitals to, um, to continue to strive, to look for what is the captivity in our midst and what can we do to redeem the people. And so, yes, within the midst we are seeing in our culture especially as she is, our culture in the United States is tending to shift away from God, embracing more of the secular humanism. Um, you know, it is, you know, maybe uh, maybe I don't need to be married for life. Maybe I can be divorced. Maybe I should go off with that, 30, that woman 30 years younger than me. You know, so often we're seeing a lot of, you know, even though as Catholics we don't believe in divorce, but we see that situation befalling many people and it it becomes a captivity and a trap for folks and it can help you know it can really cause them to lose their faith yeah. so this is one of the areas particularly we've been we've been called to work in you know so many captivities pornography addiction is rampant our, our culture isn't even close to admitting that or seeing that as a health hazard a uh, health hazard yes you know in many different ways the addiction that one can you know can become uh, in that especially if it's partnered with self-pleasuring okay, where one's mind actually becomes rewired. But the even more harmful fact of the spiritual health, you know, um, to be uh, caught in the in the snares of that uh, has repercussions that are um, really, uh, really deeply uh, har- harmful. And, uh, you know, so these are some examples and some ideas there's a nutshell. But again, for the mercedarian, be they the friar, the sister, Or our lay mercenarians, uh, is to just identify that captivity to, you know, point these realities out to people and to do what we can to accompany people out of those captivities to set captives free.
1: Wow. What a beautiful mission, father, you really, um, and, and a beautiful history. Uh, you know, I've learned so much, um, about what you, uh, what your order is and, and how that has, um, you know just just been present in the church through throughout you know a, a large part of the history and uh you know one one of the things that uh, I really uh like about that obviously is the fact that you know it's all about setting captives free and aren't we in an age right now uh, as you mentioned you know with with all the different addictions that are out there um uh, there's so many different 12 step programs for every addiction under the sun um uh, and in, in addition, we find ourselves even um, in captivity now during this coronavirus, too, right? I mean, like we're we're sitting here uh, in our homes, um, you know, the majority of the day. Every once in a while, we get out to maybe take a walk or get some exercise on a sunny day, but the reality is, is that we're we're held within um, our homes right now uh, for for the sake of the common good, and and and. Is it even possible to be a slave to the common good, you know, because because I think that's where we find ourselves right now
2: Father, thank you. I thank you as well and bill. You're right. Yeah, I mean, it's um, We're in a place right now where our faith is really being tested for some of us and Father the work that you're doing all about giving your life for those in danger of losing their faith now is the time.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And now you know where maybe people couldn't have related to some form of captivity. Certainly over these last couple months, one should be able to now, right? You know, yeah.
1: mm-hmm.
3: in the sense of where we're now, you know, uh, quarantined or or meant to kind of stay uh, social distancing or whatever we, we're calling these different terms, um, or even again the the inability to be able to access. The sacraments, you know, which something which I know we've taken for great granted. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All the faithful have taken for great granted. And I hope that this opportunity to, uh, that this, again, in a sense scourge now becomes an opportunity to say, my goodness, what an amazing precious thing. I could even receive the blessed sacrament every day and how I just turned my back on that day in and day out, knowing that there's these daily masses being celebrated in all these parishes all around me. And surely I could have adjusted my schedule and my day to at least attended one of those. So my hope is that there be a great renewal in the faith as we come out of this and, and masses, again, publicly celebrated uh, throughout uh, the world. Obviously, on our little corner of the world here in the U.S. is what we're particularly focused on here. But um, that there be this kind of renewal, and this revibrancy. Uh, For people, you know about really again putting God first. He has to be the center. He has to be number one That's start there. There's your ground zero
2: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you saw this Father Daniel or Bill It was on social media and and one of the other friars Father Tony hi Father Tony if he's listening he's a mercitarian (laughs) He put this on social media, which was from C.S. Lewis from 1942 says, Satan, I will cause anxiety, fear, and panic. I will shut down businesses, schools, places of worship, and sports events. I will cause economic turmoil. Jesus, I will bring together neighbors, restore the family unit. I will bring dinner back to the kitchen table. I will help people slow down their lives and appreciate what really matters. I will teach my children to to rely on me and not the world. I will teach my children to trust me And not their money and material resources and I thought wow, I mean that's from C.S. Lewis the great Christian writer I mean is that's what's happening. I mean it, it is And we are coming back together and yes, we don't have the sacraments right at our disposal We're not able to receive the eucharist and some of us aren't able to get to confession either but wow are we starting to understand what is important spending time with uh those who are there with us and praying as a family together
1: yeah absolutely and i think you know one of the things that i think is a great theme uh as we're talking about today is just you know um that that slavery you know christ is using this as an opportunity to break the addictions break the slavery two things i mean you know we we as uh, ministers in the church would often talk about people who were maybe putting uh, sports above going to, you know, church, as father was saying, taking the Eucharist for granted. Well, we're going to, you know, arrange our mass times around the uh, kickoff of the NFL, you know, so that we don't miss our our NFL games. And, you know, which one is coming first? Which one are we enslaved to? Uh, You know, uh, we're, we're enslaved to the football. We're not, uh, you know, enslaved to christ and christ wants us to be uh you know slaves of him and then he also says not only just slaves i call you friends so you know this is this is where we're you know supposed to be where our heart's supposed to be and i and i think god is using this uh time of captivity uh in our in our culture to really uh talk about how uh and and help us rediscover exactly what you were talking about there and rediscover exactly um you know where God should be. And as father said, you use, use, uh, God is number one is your, is your, uh, ground zero folks. And that's, uh, a really an important uh, aspect of this. And so, uh, you know, I, I love the topic uh, of discussion today, and I love uh, hearing how your order is so committed to this father, because as, um, as you know, this is the time that your order can really thrive in, you know, this is something that mm-hmm. uh, can draw some awareness you to your order. Um, and and I uh, definitely have a special mission for this time and season in the church.
2: He does. They do. I, I mean, it's Their order is a true blessing. I mean, to myself personally, having gotten to know them and working for the Saint Raymond Anatis Foundation as the director. And Father mentioned divorce as one of those captivities. Sometimes when people wind up being separated or divorced, there can be an alienation in their hearts from from God. And for us to say we're here, uh, we offer online support, free online support meetings for those who are affected by divorce and separation. So I just want to make a quick shout out. If you know somebody who is affected by divorce, check out our website at nonatus.org. And I'd be so thrilled to hear from anybody listening. But we have Father Daniel with us, he is the vocation director. For the Mercedarians and he has also so much to share about his role uh, I'd like to invite you also to please go to the Mercedarians website at orderofmercy.org uh, There's a lot of great information there and um, Father I wondered if you could tell those listening where you're located in the United States And if there's someone listening who perhaps, you know, they're they themselves their son or daughter a neighbor a friend uh, is searching out for the vocation. Maybe you could talk about that as well. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. So in the United States, we are, we are located, um, again, I'd mentioned already our first foundation was in Cleveland, Ohio. We still exist there in two parishes, uh, St. Rocco's, which is located on Fuller uh, Full Road, sorry. And, uh, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, which is located on Detroit Avenue where I'm in residence. And, um, then in the late 1940s, we branched out into the Diocese of Buffalo, New York. Uh, We are located there in a little small town called Leroy, which is actually physically closer to Rochester versus Buffalo, but that is the Diocese of Buffalo. And uh, we are located there. And so we began uh, to be present in the late 70s in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Saint Charles Borromeo Mayo seminary years we helped out in prison ministry, um, chapel to nursing homes, taught at the Catholic High School, we assisted in a number of the parishes there, and especially in the Spanish apostolate. And then, about a year ago, we were invited to come into northern Florida. So we were invited and are present now also at, in the Diocese of St. Augustine, uh in uh, two, uh, two locations stark and McClenney, two small rural areas sort of more in the central part of the northern part of the state and uh we our main ministry there is not we do have parishes but the main thing is prison ministry and we were asked specifically to minister to those on death row in florida mm. held in stark and so we've been doing that now for a little over a year which has been a blessing we're very thankful um and we'd be happy to continue to Go forward and expand. But the key is this we need more men. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need more men. Get yeah, some God's big sky, shout out there. Come on. If God's calling you to a vocation to the priesthood of the consecrated life, don't be shy or sheepish about it and stop, you know, poo-pooing it. Just jump in there and give it a go. You know, I've still yet met, I still yet to have met a man who went to ed seminary even if it was for a year or two or three that regretted it i've not met that man ever mm-hmm. yeah you know nope. i've met many men you know that went there discerned out they're now happily married because they found out so much more about you know who god is and who they are and what the summons is to love right mm-hmm. which is actually a carnal action but literally well it is a carnal action the sense of really emptying oneself out completely for another, right? You know, our our our, in, our image of love the people can't see it, of course, but it's this: it's the crucifix, Jesus willing to die out of love for others, and that's the summons for every single one of us uh, as Christians to to as Jesus to be willing to surrender ourselves completely uh, out of love for, other, for for God and others. And when we're doing that in the vocation of marriage, right? That means putting you know, my spouse and my, my children, if you're blessed with children, before yourself. And if it's the summons to be a religious brother or to be the priest, well, yes, okay, the summons to put my religious community before myself, to put the people that have been called to serve in the parish or in the prison or in the hospital before myself, being willing to, to again, lay down your life for another. So it's really an inescapable aspect of the Christian faith to be a Christian is to be giving oneself completely over. And that's why we need to really not waste our time or, or continue listening to the, the the continuous drumbeat of the secular culture, which is this, you, 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 you know, love yourself, I, me, mine, right? I, me, me, you know, the unholy trinity of I, my, me, myself, and I, right? It's not the direction. You know, the direction needs to be that the outward movement towards God and towards others, and that right. is the path, you know? which Jesus, of course, is traced for us. But of course, he is the way, the truth, and the life. So it's it's imperative. So uh, vocations, yes, absolutely. We're looking for good men. Again, aged 18 to 35, uh, primarily. You know, no dependents. Uh, you do have to be Catholic now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: You're open to it. You know, we can begin to work that, but you'd have to obviously uh, go through the process to become Catholic. But, uh, you know, it shouldn't be such an unnatural or uncommon thing. You know, it's an unusual culture that we've become in the last 50 years in the church. At one time, it was the greatest of blessings to have your child consider being a, a, relig- a priest or a religious. And it was the same for the women as well. But nowadays, right? Oof, oof, I don't know. But, it, you know, it, it's, it's a strange thing because also, you know, this is a desire in the heart often to be countercultural. When you're a teenager, in that there is nothing more countercultural today than becoming a consecrated religious and or priest. Amen. Amen. You know, so be a countercultural Catholic. Go for it. You know, I really don't know why more men or women don't just make that jump and go for it. You know, well, I got to go to college. That's the world tells you you got to go to college. Go to the seminary, the convent first, and usually it's going to entail college because if you're going to become a priest, you're going to have to do college studies. Or if you're going to become a sister, you know, if you're if you have the ability or a brother, has the ability, yeah, you know, further education is always a good thing, you know. And again, if it's not your call, you know, God's going to make that clear to you, you know. Indeed. And again, you're not going to waste any you're not going to waste it any time. Believe me, the rich, wow. deep prayer life and in the community, be that in the seminary or in a religious house. All those all those experiences and moments are going to make you the better person to make you, as Matthew Kelly says, the best version of yourself.
1: <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. true. And rather, you're talking to one, you know, you're talking to somebody who went into I didn't go into the seminary, but I went to the uh, discernment program, a resident discernment program yeah. uh, with the conventional Franciscans out here in in, in the Chicago area in Libertyville. And. Uh, I, I lived for 18 months, lived for 18 months living like a, re, a religious, you know, living like, uh, you know, to see if it was something that I would uh, go and be able to give my life to. And what an incredible 18 months of my life, e- eating with the friars, living with the friars, um, you know, praying with the friars, doing uh, divine office and, and and all of those things. It was an amazing experience. And so and so I always say to young men that I talk to, uh, I actually say it is your duty to discern priesthood. Mm-hmm. It is your duty. It is your duty to discern it. As a Catholic man, you actually need to discern it. And and so I echo all the things you just said to to any young men out there listening to this. Um, you know, pay attention to, to what Father said. And and you know, uh, there is nothing more countercultural than laying down your life for Jesus. And regardless of how you do that, whether it's in marriage or you know for the community, uh, for the larger Catholic community, becoming a priest or or brother um, or even, or even if there's religious uh, sisters out there, you know, women that are out there listening to this, take it seriously. I just like father said, take the discernment process seriously um, and, and enter into a, a, a true discernment. And now I'm happily married and I have, you know, uh, just got married in August. So uh, I have a beautiful wife and, uh, and, and, and it's a wonderful journey. It's a wonderful journey. Uh, you know, being, being newly married at, at the age of, you know, 35 now, but, This, this is, um, you know, and I don't feel like I lost any time. It has made me a better Catholic. It's made me a better, you know, husband so far in my early marriage. Right. To Mm. be able to say here, I've I've been able to, you know, just learn and know more about my Catholic faith. And, you know, there's some invaluable things when you, when you have an opportunity to live, um, the, the life of a religious without having to make that commitment. So if there are programs, you know, there are programs out there that exist you know, uh, and explore different orders, date different orders. You know, um, I, I was able to go and explore some different Franciscan orders. Cause I have a very close relationship with, with St. Francis of Assisi, um, personally. And, uh, I, I even now go to a parish called St. Francis of Assisi here in Milwaukee, but, um, with my wife, but, uh, the, the idea is that, you know, find, find your spirituality. If this is something that you're, you know, re- that is resonating with you, the setting the captives free, laying down your life for one another um, go to the Mercedarian website and look at it because, because, you know, God might be calling you to that vocation. He might be calling you to that vocation and radically calling you that vocation uh, to help expand that order. I mean, you know, I, I love what you said about, you know um, helping prisoners on death row. I mean, what a what a need in our society. It is a need that we um, you know, that, that we minister to people who, who are condemned to death. I mean, this is this is huge stuff. And is. where else can you where else can you uh do that? You know, I don't know any other orders that are that are out there doing that. I know there's a few religious sisters, uh, you know, sister Helen Prejean. but man, what an amazing thing. You guys you got a great
3: thing going, father. I think so. I think so. We and do. So, so it's really important. And again, I you know just overall in our faith, you know, we need to stop being minimalists and stop giving lip service to our Lord. We need to go all in and go into the deep waters. And again, why we don't do this? Well, of course our culture doesn't want us to do that. They would like us to be cultural Catholics you know, or have a Catholic veneer. So if you want to fit into our humanist society here, you'll just kind of, you know, do that as a crutch, but don't go push too far. And that's nonsense, we should push completely far. People need to know that we're Catholics and we should not be apologizing or co-towing it. You know, we think about it in the other areas. If you're going to excel in sports, for example, right? You know, you want to become a great uh, football or baseball player. Well, you're not going to be a minimalist about it. You got to get out and do double days right in the morning and you got to work your body hard and to develop plays and throw the ball around. And that needs to be a daily activity where you become the best shape and the best possibility to really excel in the sport and to become a great team player. Well, why should that be any different for your faith life, right? Which is the most important thing, you know? Uh, and it, again, it requires discipline. You know, am I praying every day, right? And throughout the day, really, am I, you know, inviting God into every single situation of my life, every aspect, mm. even the parts that I think, well, I don't think God should be there. He needs to be in everything. Uh, It's just so important for us to really fully give ourselves over to our faith. You know, it it can't just be a a splattering. Now, again, I realize, you know, we're all in different places, but know that our Lord's going to meet you wherever you're at. You know, if you've fallen away from the faith, God will meet you there and he wants you to come home. You know, if you've never known our Lord, you don't have any sense of what this Christianity thing is all about, find out look into it, or maybe you're already a Christian, but you just don't get this Catholic thing or what this is about, the Eucharist, what's this all about? Find a good, faithful Catholic who can help to guide you and to find out what we mean by having the fullness of the faith, having everything that God wants you to have access to here on this earth as we make our journey in life here. Again, the home being for us is baptized, Uh, Catholics, heaven, not here, you know um but uh you know again when we're when we are really giving our all in every way we're going to be the best uh to to transform the culture to proclaim the gospel and that is right that's the commandment right to proclaim the gospel right jesus that's what he told the apostles his disciples to continue to do in our day and age that's our call and our summons and we need to all be doing it it's not just the job of the bishops or the priests thankfully i think there's been kind of a uh, a renaissance and understanding that since the Second Vatican Council of the 1960s. Um, and uh, many lay faithful have stepped it up, but it, even more so in these different crises and different scandals that we've had recently amongst the clergy, all the more reason for the average Catholic to become not average, <laughs> to, be, to know their faith deeply, read the church documents, read the writings of the Holy Father. You know, make that your hobby and get into it because, you know, an informed faithful uh, is going to make, is going to help the clergy to be better in being the sheep, and you know, a shepherd to the sheep, and to transform things. Just because you don't have a dollar or a veil on doesn't mean that you can't make a big difference. Um, so we need that support as well. And also within our order, again, to mention, we do have a third order, and this is something that's... Pretty much right. There's the secular Franciscans, uh, you know, uh, third order Dominicans, or the Benedictine of Old Blades, It's always those faithful, uh, uh, you know, that come alongside and want to support the charism. So that's another avenue for people to take a look at. You know, perhaps if you know, uh, 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 a man or woman who's married with children or or whatever, again, this idea of setting the campus free in that charism is so needed in our culture. And again, we're always looking for people
1: to assist uh, and whatever their state of life may be. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point, Father, that there's so many uh, different uh third orders out there. And and if you're if this mission is something that you want to participate in, if this is something that you want to be a part of, you know, reach out. Father, where where would people go uh, in order to, you know, I mean obviously you're the vocation director. So if there's somebody that's got a vocation, obviously contact you, but how would they, how would they go about getting uh, in touch and learning, you know, I mean, you've got a great snapshot of, of, of your order today, but I mean, how would they go about learning more, getting more involved in that mission, whether it be a third order, whether it be discernment for religious life or, or whatever that might be?
3: Yeah, I would say to begin, of course, obviously prayer, but to find out more information, um, visit the website, org. you know, there, now we do have third order groups, Largely, they're in the places where the friars are so that we can spiritually support. But now today, with today's technology, we are able to expand and go further. So I know we do have a number of people that live in a diocese that the friars are not, but feel called to become part of this uh, movement. And so they've been able to offer formation virtually, which is amazing and wonderful. Uh, so very thankful for that. But uh, I would refer to the website to take a look there. and. Uh, you know again pray about it and consider it again our order from the beginning is, has always had the involvement Besides consecrated religious also other men and women that would support and be part of the, of the entire uh, Movement of redemption. So that's still the case today
2: Awesome. Thank you uh, It's such a blessing for me personally to, to hear you speak and have you as a guest on the sowing hope podcast uh, as some of our listeners know Uh, The Mercedarian order is close to my own heart, being that I'm the director of the St. Raymond Onnatus Foundation and uh, have been acquainted with the friars for uh, a number of years, the last uh, several years. So what a blessing. Now, I just wanted to mention also, you mentioned the online third order, which I am a member of that, uh, professed member uh, third order. So is my husband. Praise God. Um, so if somebody is listening and you are living in an area that's not close to some of these Mercedarian communities, you can become a possible third-order member of the Mercedarians and I'll give you the email address where you can contact uh, The friar that's in charge of that. That's Father Matthew Phelan uh, th- That email address if you have a pen and paper or your phone there is mlf dot Merced at gmail.com. That's mlf as in Frank dot Merced at gmail.com or you can go to the order of mercy Dot-com uh, Website and you can maybe go through the contact there or the Nonatus Dot uh, org foundation. That's you know where I work and contact us there as well
1: Awesome, man, thank you
2: Mhm. Sure. What a blessing. So, Father, you know, just as we're coming closer to the end of the show, there's people right now who are going through this pandemic, uh, and as you as you mentioned, you know, we've we've been in a physical ca- captivity in some ways that we can't get out as we like, and especially those Catholics who are very committed to their faith away from the sacraments and how. Challenging is that for all of us, that we miss mass, we miss the sacraments of the church. So I wondered if you had any words for those people out there who um, need a little bit of encouragement as we come out of this pandemic, um, and you know, just some faith boosters that might help somebody who's listening.
3: Absolutely. Well, this is, this is, first is a kind of that, that, uh, that old saying right here, absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? So in the moment that we are in the absence of the real presence of our Lord, allow that opportunity to help the heart grow fonder, right? Of, of who the Eucharist is um, and how, when we are able again to have access to take full advantage of that, right? Um, to, to make, you know, make those holy hours that we would always talked about, oh, I'll, I'll get to that later. No, later needs to be now. To make that time, that appointment with God, to, to just be in his Eucharistic presence, uh, to be able to receive him once again, again, not just on the Sunday, because I have to, because that's the obligation, but I want to, and I want to receive him as much as possible. You know, These could be some great opportunities to do so, but to let that fire for the, and that longing for him to, to continue that, to not let that flame go out, but I would say just even more so, you know, there are people out here in our world that are trying to cause fear. And these people, in my my estimation, are aligned with the evil one. Why do I say that? And they they may know that or not because that's the hallmark of the devil. The devil is about fear, causing fear, causing people to be against each other, to be a divider versus our Lord. What are Uh, You know, our Lord is all, if we were to get our sacred scripture in our Bibles, and I hope that as faithful Catholics, we are in the word, the written word, right? The word, of course, is Jesus, but the written word of God in the Bible every single day. We need to be making that. But if we were to be going through and looking in the scriptures, what are the words that are most often repeated? Here are those words, and I give them to you today for you personally. Do not be afraid.
2: Praise god.
3: do God. be afraid what are the words when the angel appeared to mary in the annunciation do not be afraid you know when sometimes in our minds as youngsters maybe we, we got this idea of the fear of the lord right and the fear of the lord is is not the same kind of fear that the devil wants to invoke and the fear of the lord is a reverence you know a reverence for god of his might is great right? how he is able to do all things, to be all things, to overcome all things. And, you know, having created us and continuing to keep us in existence is just amazing. That kind of fear should make us want to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, humble in a beautiful kind of submission, not in a forced kind of way. Whereas the devil, he wants us to be in fear, panic, anxiety. You know, all this kind of nonsense. Yeah. So we need to recognize that, you know, the voice of the Lord is not accusatory. The voice of the Lord is, is, is consolation. The voice of the Lord is return to me, you know, with all your hearts. You know, and again, no matter what one has done or one has failed to do, there's always an invitation to come back to God. That's so why we thank God for the sacrament of reconciliation. It's not just psychobabble. It is a sacrament where God's grace is imparted to us. And so we should make frequent use of the sacrament of reconciliation, a.k.a. confession. As the church says, we have to go once a year. Really, folks? (laughs) Are we going to do the minimum? Or are we going to go all in? If you were were to say to your spouse, you were just recently married, so let's go back maybe to August of the year before you were married. And you said, you know, and you went to go to propose. Joy and you said, "Honey, what's the least I got in you to get you to marry me? Like, can I say <laughs> I can't to you? Yeah. just, you know, would that be okay? No, you know, you want to be pouring yourself out completely. Again, Christianity is the great love affair of God and man, and it's not meant to be something that's parsed out or just, you know, uh, lived up, you know, on the sideline." It should be all just encompassing. And when that life is lived in that way, that's when you truly begin to live, to be people of hope, to be people of joy. And that's what God wants for us. Now we won't have the fullness of that until heaven, yes of course, but we can begin to live that here today. We can look at the figures of the saints if we don't think it's possible. Look at the great ways that they were able to be intimate with our Lord and make a difference in in the situation that God had placed them in their lives. He's calling all of us to be saints. Again, it's an invitation, but I tell you, the the full-hearted pursuit of it is absolutely worth it. When you find the pearl of great price, sell everything and go for it.
2: Praise the Lord. Oh, you said everything so well, Father. I mean, the history and your your own uh, thoughts on faith and advice, to those who are discerning a vocation, I just have to say again: please go to their website and learn more at orderofmercy.org. Also, please connect with them on their social media uh, platforms. I think that you're at Mercedarian Friars USA, so you want right. to connect on on uh, Facebook and Instagram, and also I believe on Twitter, probably. Mm-hmm.
3: Yep, Twitter. And, and,
2: uh, please, you oh. know, connect. To, this is Father Daniel Bowen, and. As I said, he's a, a friend of mine and a friend of uh, the St. Raymond Foundation, of course, and you know a wonderful Mercedarian friar located in Cleveland, Ohio. So I ask everyone listening to make connection with him, make connection with the Mercedarian yes. friars, think about the Mercedarian order and become friends with them. I am. It's one of the greatest blessings of my life. I can't thank them enough. Father Daniel was the very first friar that I met. I'm so grateful to him. You know, There are people who are in danger of losing their faith. That's what the Mercedarians are all about. You know people out there who are in danger of losing their faith. Maybe it's you, maybe you're listening and you're in danger of losing your faith. Uh, And there's all different ways that we can be in danger of losing their faith. There's a lot of people who are just going through depressive times, times of anxiety, Uh, even those people can be in danger of losing their faith somebody that you know That is under tons and tons of stress and as hard as they try to have faith. They just can't seem to find it So uh, we pray for all of those people as well All the people who are suffering right now That's what the Mercedarian religious order is all about making outreach to the prisoners the captives Those that a lot of us forget about And uh, as I mentioned many times on sewing hope podcast the marginalized aren't they important to all of us For our own salvation. The lord is calling us to reach out to those who are on the fringes And that's also what the mercedarian order is about. So I thank you so much Father daniel and and I would love you to come back again to the sewing hope podcast I'd like to invite everyone to please connect with us on social media We are spelled s-e-w-i-n-g, hope, podcast, with Bill Snyder, host, and myself, Ann DeSantis. We are on all the social media platforms. There's also a brand new TV show that I want to invite everybody to come out and watch online called Journeys in Faith with Ann DeSantis. Check it out on social media. And Patchwork Heart Ministry is also part of Journeys in Faith. So... Thank yeah, you both.
1: Ex- yeah, it's an exciting new program, and it really is. Absolutely. Um, and uh, and so we really encourage you to all check that out on Fiat Ministry Network. You can listen to it and watch it as well here on our YouTube channel, um, and and whatnot. Uh, we uh, we're we're really excited to be able to bring you uh, these programs and work with Fiat Ministry Network because um, you know it's all about saying yes to Jesus Christ, and that is uh, Fiat Ministries Network uh, tagline, and ours is sowing hope into broken hearts, uh, and so. With with those two things, you know, Father, it kind of fits perfectly into, um, you know, our mission here. The Mercedarians fit beautifully into our mission, uh, and and just really enjoyed your your um, your your content today for all of us. It's been it's been awesome. Um, it, as we wrap up, though, I, I I always like to get a priestly blessing for us and our listeners. Um, so if you wouldn't mind. Um, please just give us a little you know a little bit of prayer and, um, and a priestly blessing as we wrap up today's episode. That'd be
3: great. Absolutely be glad to. So for our prayer, I'd like to offer this prayer. maybe we've already prayed the prayer, but maybe we haven't. There's a prayer called the morning offering and we're still in the morning, so I think it's valid. But there's a great prayer actually I'd encourage you to consider. Uh, if you haven't, you can find it out there. It's in most good Catholic prayer books. It's a prayer to be prayed every day in the morning. Um, So offer that prayer, and then following, uh, I will impart uh, a blessing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Oh, Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your sacred heart. In union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass, throughout the world in reparation for my sins the salvation of souls and the reunion of all christians i offer them for the intentions of our bishops and in particular for all the intentions recommended by our holy father this month the lord be with you and And with with your spirit. spirit may the blessing of almighty god Be upon you this day and always. He who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: Amen.
1: Well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of Sowing Hope. Uh, I do uh, strongly encourage you all uh, to head over to uh, our website, patchworkheart.org, for more information about our ministry and all the things we do at Patchwork Heart Ministry. Uh, I'd also encourage you to check out our Patreon account. Uh, We have a brand new uh, audio series, which is a entire um 38 part uh study on the Catholic Catechism, uh, on our Patreon for ten dollars a month. Uh, it's a 38 Woo! part series, and yeah. then we also have a uh video series called Discover Your Mission, uh, so which is $25 a month. You get a new personal three video mission that's full length. Uh, on our Patreon, just $25 a month. If you head over there and check that out, it supports our mission. It keeps uh, us on the air and helps us uh, continue doing great work for the kingdom of God. So I really appreciate you all tuning in today. And uh, I encourage you uh, to go ahead and check uh, out patchworkheart.org and patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry. Uh, So thank you again uh, to Father Daniel Bowen and Ann DeSantis. Uh, This has been Sowing Hope. Until next time, keep beating to your Catholic hearts and sowing hope into broken hearts. I'm Bill Snyder. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sowing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.com org and andesantis.com you can also follow and interact with us on twitter at pwh ministry or andysantis too
0: patchwork heart ministry and fiat ministry network invite you to discover your mission a brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today.